This message comes from NPR sponsor, Progressive, and it's Name Your Price Tool. Say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show coverage options within your budget. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is NPR's Life Kit. I'm journalist Simran Sethi. Anger, we know, can be damaging. It harms our bodies, compromises our judgment, and inflames public discourse. But more often than not, it points to something complex. Anger was the bodyguard for my hurt, my woundedness. That's Lama Rod Owens, author of Love and Rage, The Path of Liberation Through Anger. While traditional anger management practices focus on taming our tempers, Lama Rod takes a different approach, encouraging us to create space for this all-too-human emotion and to understand how and why it's worthy of our attention, a process that is neither quick nor easy. I just feel like I was born into this lineage of anger, you know, being born Black and queer within a social context that seems so antagonistic to both identity locations. Uh, my earliest memories were memories of just feeling just really frustrated um, and, and marginalized and erased. Anger, he says, has been a constant companion. Because I feel like it is older than me, like I just feel like I, it, it, it has been so dependable, it's always been there. Like when nothing else is there, the anger is there. Today, he holds a Master of Divinity from Harvard University and received teaching and recognition from the Kagyu lineage of Tibetan Buddhism. He still feels anger, but over decades has learned to transform it. In this episode of Life Kit, Lama Rod will help us do the same. Understand, acknowledge, and with any luck, let go of our anger. This message is brought to you by NPR sponsor, Progressive Insurance. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options within your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for NPR and the following message come from our sponsor, Whole Foods Market. Host a celebratory brunch for less with 365 by Whole Foods Market. Featuring wallet-happy finds like cold smoked Atlantic salmon, mini quiches, organic everything bagels, and more. Plus, visit the floral department and jazz up your table with a beautiful bouquet of big, bright, sourced-for-good flowers. When the brunch has to be perfect and delicious, go to your local Whole Foods Market. This message comes from NPR sponsor Osea and their best-selling Undaria Algae Body Oil. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. I'd like to start off asking, how do you define anger? Yeah. You know, I define anger as the tension that arises between being hurt or feeling wounded and our need and desire to take care of ourselves. That, it, that tension arises because we don't really know how to take care of ourselves, and so we start reacting 
that reactivity to, to, to the tension is actually what I um, label anger. There are very specific cultural narratives around who gets to be angry and who doesn't. Will you unpack that a little bit for me? Absolutely. I just think that for me being black and queer, I just think my anger has been very dangerous because my anger has been something that has become a mirror for the realities of the violence that I experience in this body, right? You know, And for mm-hmm. many of us, depending on our gender, um, our class, our race, our culture, gotten very different messages around anger. Like when I talk to my female identified friends, they often they tell me that like they've never ever been given permission to be angry, that being angry isn't what girls are, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was the language that they were taught growing up. You know, when I talk to my white cisgender male friends, you know, it's a very different narrative. It's like they've never been policed around their anger. I can definitely yes, <laughs> agree with this wholeheartedly. And then, and then when I do express that anger, people are stunned yes. and they're kind of taken aback. And yes. I've seen, you know, people of different genders and colors uh, like that it was accepted as the norm. So it's almost like what is a very normal behavior all of a sudden seems like an outlier and I get criticized and faulted for it, but it's part of the human experience. Yes. So when I say I'm trying to love my anger, what I'm saying is like I'm trying to accept my anger and I'm trying to cut through all the ways in which I've been taught to relate to my anger. You know, primarily that, oh, good people aren't angry. (laughs) Good people. And and that's something that you you should be ashamed mm -hmm. of if you get, you know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You should be ashamed of this natural thing that happens for everyone. That's the message that we have to cut through. If I don't allow things to be in my experience, it makes it really difficult for me to develop um, a practice of responsiveness to that material. If I'm not responsive, I'm reactive. If I'm reactive, then more than likely I'm creating harm and violence for myself and others. And then it becomes so easy to tip over. I think about yep. like, you know, what they say about pots boiling over or losing yeah. your cool or, you know, yep. blowing a gasket. It's always like a tipping yeah. point that then becomes very like forceful in its expression. Yep. Yeah. Every every day I'm taking care of myself like this. It's a constant practice of care for self. That's something that has been so profound for me. One of the most precious parts of understanding anger through your lens is that idea of what rests beneath it is heartbreak. Yeah, I um, when I first became interested in practice, you know, my teachers and mentors would always say, "Look at what's beneath an emotion, right? Look at look at what's happening beneath the surface of everything." And when I started looking at my anger, I began to see that, yeah, there was a lot beneath the anger. I'm not just angry or pissed off for nothing. And that was a, a fundamental moment for me. And one of the, the really profound pieces of, of, of our teachings that I received early on was that anger was the bodyguard for my hurt, my woundedness. And when I look at my hurt, I begin to see that this hurt is so, so complex. And so I stepped back and began to say, oh, this hurt is, 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 it feels like brokenheartedness. 
And brokenheartedness, essentially, for me, is a deep sense of disappointment, a fundamental hurt that, like, I've been born into something that's not in line with my intentions to be free, safe, and happy. And I just carry that. And I realize that I've carried that my whole life, and I may very well carry that for the rest of my life. So carrying that. And having anger be a constant companion, there it, yeah. it does come at a price. I mean, it shows up yeah. in the body, in the in the psyche. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about how we hold it, and then how it seeps out into our lives. Right, you know, and I think with carrying anger, you know, what what's important for me to articulate always is that anger isn't the issue. Right, nor is the woundedness beneath the anger an issue. The issue, the the basic issue that I'm struggling with is how I react over and over again to all this material that arises, and how that reactivity perpetuates suffering for myself and others. I want to be in a responsive relationship to everything that arises in my experience, and when I respond to something, I can make better choices as to how I express that energy through actions and words and so forth. But, you know, when we talk about reactivity, you know, often reactivity becomes really unconscious. And so those unconscious reactivities just simply seep out into everything that we do, everything that we say, even everything that we think. When you say it, it sounds like, oh, right, of course, of course, this is how I want to be. But the mm-hmm. journey feels long, and it also, yeah. it's like a flash fire, right? Like the yeah. minute, like the reactivity happens oftentimes, and, and I'm already after that fact when I'm realizing like, oh, I, I didn't actually want to react that way. So, so I'd love to go through with you your six steps to kind of mm-hmm. identify how we're feeling, figure out how to relate to that feeling and, and break them all down for us. Absolutely. You know, I call this process SNOL. I tried really hard to have a, a, a better, you know, kind of acronym, but that's what we ended up with. But in SNOL, SNOL stands for seeing, naming, owning, experiencing, letting go, and letting float. So starting with seeing, we're learning how to see the anger and how the anger is showing up. We don't know what to do with it yet, but mm-hmm. we're just trying to see it. So I'm in an argument with mm-hmm. somebody and I'm getting angry. Mm-hmm. How, do yeah. I, how do I drop into that S? How do I see it? I see it. I just say, oh, I'm getting angry. I'm pissed. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, and not only have you seen it, you've named it. Mm-hmm. You know, naming is so important. Like I ha- you have to name the things that you want to transform and to be in a relationship with. So you've seen it, you named it, and next, which is really important, we have, to, we have to understand that this thing is happening in our experience. So that's what I mean by owning. I have to own it. Like this, is an ex- this thing is happening in my mind, in my body, not in someone else's body, but mine. And that helps me to take responsibility for it. And if I'm able to take responsibility for it, then I can easily move into the next stage of the practice, which is experiencing. And this is key. We begin to understand how this energy is showing up in our bodies and our minds. We're actually getting curious about it. Like, what is anger? And that was this experience, the stage of experience was what began to open the world of emotion to me. How is that different from reacting? 
So experiencing means I'm just getting curious about what this feels like. Like I'm exploring, I'm watching, I'm, I'm looking at how energy moves through my body. I'm looking at how my mind labels this physical energy as an emotion, right? And so when I start reacting, I actually move out of experience, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So reactivity is not about the experience. It's about doing something to get away from the experience. Okay. If I'm just experiencing, then it cuts through this urgency to re- to react. And then once I'm able to have a, you know, as much of the experience as possible, then I'm able to make a decision. You know, how do I move forward? Now there are different ways to do this, but in this process, you know, this process is happening in more of a formal practice situation. So in this process, I like to move into letting letting the experience go. Right? I choose to to move away from being being really curious about this experience to giving it space just to be. So this is work that we kind of do outside of an interaction that then helps us show up to interactions differently. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. This isn't something you decide to start doing in the moment. You're not you're not <laughs> snowing in the middle of a conversation. No, you're not. You're not. You're not. You're not having an argument and saying, you know, oh, I read this process by Lama <laughs> Rod. I think it's time for me to do this. I, I would be very surprised if anyone had the space to do that in the heat of a situation. Um, and this is why, like, even for me, you know, I learned early on that I had to have space every day to practice these techniques so when stuff started happening in the moment i could i could refer back to what i learned in formal practice and then you know the last stage of snow is what i call let it float and let it float just simply means that i am reminding myself over and over again that there's this incredible amount of space that can hold everything. And I just want to keep reminding myself. I want to keep I want to keep reminding myself to let this intense energy float within the spaciousness. And the space will always be present as long as I'm choosing not to react, but to stay within um, a practice of responsiveness. This is a tall order, Lama Rod. It's huge. It's, 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 it's almost impossible. And I would never have written anything like this ever if I didn't go through this myself. <laughs> but we have to commit to something. You know, often people come to me wanting, like, the magic pill. Like, just, just give me the quick version so I can just, like, get it and it'll be done and I'm free from suffering. It doesn't work like that. You know, if we want to get free, we have to work. This is why I find this conversation so important and interesting because there's so much that talks about kind of mm-hmm. managing it in a way that feels like yep. smothering it rather than what you're saying, which is allowing it. And not only just allowing it, but seeing it as something precious. I don't want to go so far as to say like life giving, but like it is just a part of the human condition. Yep. And that the less we try to push it away, the more we can kind of flourish through it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But this is the this conversation about anger is the same conversation we have to have about all emotions. Mm-hmm. Right? It's about always allowing everything to be there and then learning how to respond, not always react. Mm-hmm. 
So listeners, get comfortable. We're now going to take a few minutes to explore our anger. So to begin our practice, I just encourage you to to allow your body to come into a position that feels really appropriate for you. You can sit in a comfortable chair, anything that feels appropriate for you in this moment. And once you feel settled, I invite you to just begin to to shift your attention to the weight of your body, particularly how your body is making contact with the seat or how your feet are making contact with the floor under you, noticing the weight of the body. When you're ready, I invite you just to turn your attention into your mind. It means turning our attention into thoughts and emotions, just so beginning to see, looking at thoughts, emotions, other kinds of energy. And I invite you even further to just shift your attention to one experience in your mind. If you want to work with anger, I encourage you just to shift your attention to to something that that looks like anger in the mind. It may be a thought, it may be an emotion. And to name it by saying, oh, this is anger in my mind. And then moving even further into the practice, just begin to see that this anger is happening in your mind, not someone else's mind, but your mind. And this is owning. And once we've owned this experience in our mind, I invite you to move into experiencing this anger. What does this feel like? What does this anger feel like in your body? Where do you feel tension or tightness? And once you've experienced this for as long as you want, I invite you now to move into just letting it go. So letting go of wanting to feel it, but just allowing it to be. So the anger is just in my mind, in my body. I'm not reacting to it, but I'm seeing it. I'm watching it. And I say, okay, there, there it is. It's there. And then last, I just encourage you to keep letting it float. So just keep reminding yourself that there's lots of space, lots of room for this anger to be here. And I don't have to react, but I can move into a space now of deciding how to respond to the anger in a way that decreases discomfort or harm for myself or for someone around me. And when you're ready to complete the practice, I invite you to return your attention back to the weight of your body on the seat on the floor and just come back into your activity of being in the world. I thank you for your practice. For more Life Kit, check out our other episodes. I hosted one on the power of self-pleasure, and we have one on change through meditation, plus much, much more. You can find them at npr.org slash lifekit. And if you love LifeKit and want more, subscribe to our newsletter at npr.org slash lifekit newsletter. And as always, here's a completely random tip. 
Hi, my name is Emily Georger. My life hack is putting an avocado in your refrigerator to store it and use it later by taking the half of avocado, taking a shallow dish of water, and having the avocado face down in the water. The water will help reduce air getting to it, and you can keep your lovely avocado for days and days. Thank you so much. Have a great day. That was great. If you've got a good tip, leave us a voicemail at 202-216-9823 or email us a voice memo at lifekit at npr.org. This episode was produced by Andy Tagle. Megan Kane is the managing producer and Beth Donovan is the senior editor. Our digital editors are Beck Harlan and Claire Lombardo and our editorial assistant is Claire Marie Schneider. I'm Simran Sethi. Thanks for listening. What happens to police officers who get caught stealing, lying, or tampering with evidence? Each week, we open up an internal affairs investigation that used to be secret to find out how well the police police themselves. Listen to On Our Watch, a podcast from NPR and KQED. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with their original podcast, Choiceology. Hosted by Katie Milkman, an award-winning behavioral scientist and author of the best-selling book, How to Change, Choiceology is a show about the psychology and economics behind people's decisions. Hear true stories from Nobel laureates, historians, authors, athletes, and more about why people do the things they do. Download the latest episode and subscribe at schwab.com podcast or wherever you listen. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Schizophrenia and Psychosis Action Alliance, shattering barriers to treatment, survival, and recovery. People with schizophrenia can recover and thrive. More at WeCanThrive.org. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts.